Hi. Welcome to Ruin My Life. I'm Jason Edwards. I'm Kelsey Goldman. And this is a podcast about forcing your friends to like the things that you like. And on this episode, Kelsey, what are we talking about? We're talking about the Tony Award winning musical, Hades Town. Hades Town on Broadway now. Get your tickets. Get, Get your, your tickets. tickets. You'll pay for the whole seat, but you'll only need the edge. <laughs> I don't know that that's true. <laughs> well, I mean, it depends on how invested you are in, like, the you narrative. know, in the, in the narrative, <laughs> in workers' rights, yeah. labor, mm-hmm. uh, genre bending musicals. Kelsey, what is Hades Town? Hades Town is a musical, a sung through musical written by, mostly, by Anais Mitchell, directed now by Rachel Chafkin. Um, Rachel Chafkin, director of... Natasha Pierre. And the great comment of... 1812. 1812. Which, which, which hardcore listeners will know is a previous episode of this very podcast. Yes, and on that episode, I believe I even brought up Hades Town. Before it was in its current state. But. Yes, because it began as a, well, it began as a, as a, as a show. Yeah. That an, an, Anais, is that it? Anais, yeah. I was going to say Anais, but Anais I mean, is, I, I pronounce it Anais, but. That's, that sounds more like a name than Anais. <laughs> uh, whatever. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll probably do both throughout the episode, so. Sorry. Miss, uh, Miss, Miss Mitchell, Mitchell, if you're listening, <laughs> uh, apologies, apologies, all apologies. Yeah. It began as a, as a show that she did, and then became a concept album. Mm-hmm. Then it was a show again, off Broadway. Yes. And then. Then it went to well, they, they went to some other places. It went to some, <laughs> some other places that aren't as important. Yeah. London, Canada. Yeah, it went to Edmonton and then London, and I think the London run is basically a lot of what it is now. They changed some things, but um. And then in 2019, it came to Broadway, baby. Swept the whole thing. Swept the whole thing. How many Tonys did it win? I'm gonna guess eight. I guess I have the, the, the phone, my phone in front of me, so I can just look that up right now. Uh, but I wanted to see if you could guess it. Let's see. We're talking... I mean, they, this thing won a lot of awards. It was nominated for a lot of awards. But the only awards that matter, as we all know, are the Tonys. <laughs> it won Best Musical, Best Original Score, Best Performance of an Actor in a Featured Role. Andre. Andre DeShields, Best Scenic Design, Best Lighting Design, Best Sound Design, Best Direction, Best orchestrations. And that's it. I was right. Hey, nice. <laughs> and it was nominated for like basically every other category too. It just yeah. didn't win in all of those. Um, I think the only category it was not nominated in was best leading actor in a musical. Yes, through leading actor. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> they, they did my boy wrong. My they, boy. They did him right in some well, okay, but we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> so the concept of the show yeah. is a retelling of the myth of Orpheus and Eurydice. If you know the Kelsey, can you give the outlines of the myth? It is a. Sure. I'm seeing now. It's a. I'm hearing it's a. It's a Greek myth. It's a Greek myth. Okay. It's, it's a little bit of a retelling of that story as well as the story of Hades and Persephone from like a sort of different point of view. So Orpheus is a guy. Um, that's he, all you really need to know. He's he, in. He's in love with Eurydice. He's just this guy, you know. She dies, <laughs> <laughs> and he goes down to the underworld to get her. And Hades says he can leave if he leads her out of the underworld but doesn't look back to make sure that she's there and he gets almost back to earth's surface and he turns around and looks and she is out of his grasp forever it's very depressing (laughs) it is very depressing and this show makes it even more depressing it does by layering onto that story not just a typical like you know the way a musical will build out the character's 
into like fuller, more fleshed out beings than they are in the mm-hmm. Greek myths where they are by design. Not really that fleshed out. But yeah, it also... I they're all par- parables. Is that the right word? Parables. I believe it's pronounced parables. Don't check that. <laughs> but it also layers in these things I alluded to earlier, these sort of very relevant political meanings about, mm-hmm. you know, capitalism, a word I'm going to say about a thousand times this episode, so get yeah. used to it, about labor, about, the you environment? know, wealth, accumulation, the environment. Yeah. And uh, and it really, um, it, it's, it's really good. Honestly, it's really I just good. want to get that out there right now. It's really good. It's really good. We agree on this. We agree on this. We agree on this and probably some other things, maybe yeah. not some other parts of it. What is it? How would we? What's the best way this to describe? This is going to be a the, layered, nuanced discussion, <laughs> y'all. Yeah. Because we both like a thing. <laughs> In the way only we can can do it. Uh, how would you describe? We should probably describe a little bit the the music of the show first and the style of it. Yeah, like Anais Mitchell is a folk singer, so I think there's a lot of that, but there's also sort of this background. I kind of say that it's it's like those stories, that story of Orpheus and Eurydice, but it takes place in like the 1930s. <laughs> Or the future, but it feels like the 1930s. It's very, like, the whole setup is kind of untethered to time. But the sound is very, like, 1930s, like, sort of jazzy underground, 1920s, 1930s jazzy undergroundness mixed with a little bit of, like, the sort of, like, Dust Bowl folk, like, country-ish sound yeah you would call it the the um americana is one of the genres listed under the the yes, genre on, very on wikipedia americana. americana i would i'd say you could say yeah jazz folk mm-hmm. would be a good description of it i it, it's music i really like there's a little bit of bluegrass in there yeah a little Depending bit on of... which album you're listening to <laughs> <laughs> sure because there are three albums there are three albums there's a little bit there's a little bit of blues not yeah. a ton but um a little bit of soul a lot of that's really just an andre de shield's voice though but yeah well, uh, um, so yeah, there were there is the in far as recordings like extant recorded versions of the this the show. There is the concept album. Yes, which is what I had based this recommendation off of when I told you about it during Great Comet. Mm-hmm. Which uh, hilariously featured not only a Miss Miss Mitchell herself, uh, but Justin Vernon of Boney Vare. As well as Andy DeFranco, who's great. Andy DeFranco, yeah, she shows, shows up for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. There's a couple of, can you name the other actors off the top of your head? Um, The Hayden Triplets are the Fates, because I really like the sound on this album. Um, Greg Brown plays Hades, sings Hades. There's another person ben, that I'm forgetting. <laughs> ben Knox Miller. Yeah. From the Low Anthem, a band I have never heard of, but probably enjoy. <laughs> sounds like it <laughs> <laughs> he sort of handles the hermes vocals and we're not going to talk much about the off-broadway version because if you have anything to say about it please go ahead i have literally next to no exposure to the off-broadway version yeah i think the off-broadway version it i think it's really interesting to listen to all three versions just to like as a sort of view into how a musical gets to where it is because like you can they took stuff out in the off-broadway version they put it back in in the broadway version um, the sound is, is different because it's a live recording. Like, they recorded it as they were doing it. Um, really? Yeah. The the off-Broadway version? Yeah. Oh, that explains a lot. Yeah, it's, it's a live recording. Um, the people in some of the roles are different, and so the sound is different. And, you know, um, some of the arrangements are a little bit different because they had sort of less to do uh, or less, you know, less to work with. But I think there's, I was saying earlier, I think there's good things about 
all three recordings that I like. Like I want to put together like my master, <laughs> my master uh, track list to go through the whole musical, but with the recordings I like. <laughs> yeah, we could easily do an episode just on comparing and contrasting those three versions mm-hmm. and what it like. Yeah, what you're saying, what that shows you about how a musical can develop and grow and change. Because yeah. that's the sort of thing you don't really usually get to see like presented to you. Yeah, it's mostly happening either behind the scenes or in productions happening way out of town that you'll never see or even hear of. Yeah, and honestly, the um. I don't think the off-Broadway like live album came out all that much after or all that much before the it was on Broadway, hmm. but I don't know. But the version we're discussing and just laid on that a few we've more, both seen a few more yes a few <laughs> more ground rules here so we can get going. Uh, we we saw the what I believe is still the current cast. Yeah, I don't think anybody's left yet. Yeah, we saw we saw the the opening the original cast for the Broadway version, which includes in the role of Eurydice, Eva Nobizada. A- anyone who's like is Broadway conversant will know that name because she was the the, the very young woman who performed the lead role in Miss Saigon. Yeah, when she when she was cast off of like a video from like the Jimmy Awards or something. Yeah, she was like 17 when that happened. Yeah. Right? It's just nuts. And she's been in, in the UK for a while Yeah, performing that role. And I think she was in Les Mis over there too, doing Eponine. So, yeah. uh, Amber Gray. She's very good. <sighs> who was who was Helene? Helena? Helene. Helene in, in, in Natasha Helene Pierre. Helene is a slut. Uh, <laughs> great, great role. Hermes, played by Andre de Shields, yes. who was just a, just a fantastic old school Broadway presence, basically. Oh, uh, Patrick Page as Hades, Ugh. and 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 the boy Reeve Carney, the boy, as the thirty-seven-year-old boy, the boy. He's boyish. He's boyish looking. You, you would not say he is not boyish. True heads will know that Patrick Page and Reeve Carney, Reeve Carney uh, uh, previously appeared on stage together in a, in a much different, much much, much altogether different, different musical. <laughs> Or, sorry, musical theatrical experience. Theatrical experience. Excuse me. Called. Spider-Man, Turn Off the Dark. And on this episode, we're going to be talking about that. We're breaking not. it down. Well, I didn't not. see it. <laughs> uh, you've missed out. I'm a little bit sad, sort honestly. Of, I don't know. <laughs> well, bad theater is like, we'll get back on track in a second. Yeah. Bad theater is not like a bad movie. Yeah. And I've come to see this because I've seen a lot of bad theater. Uh, well, same. And not just like, like, <laughs> I mean, like, really, like. I've gone to see it because I think it's going to be bad yeah. theater the way you go see a bad movie. Yeah. Not just disappointing shows. I'm, that's what I think that's the thing I'm going to miss the most about uh, Sarah's job. It's <laughs> 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 getting to go see bad theater. Yeah. I got to see Chris Angel uh, Mind Freak raw and unplugged. I saw He was not raw or unplugged, ladies and gentlemen. I saw War Paint, which despite its stellar cast, was maybe the worst musical I've ever seen. What about, what about the... Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. No, God, no. Ah. So bad. The Cirque du Soleil show you and Sarah saw. That one was really bad too, right? Oh, yeah. Paramore. Paramore. I totally blocked that out of my mind. Because it was so bad, right? It was very bad. The Cirque um, stuff was good, but the show itself but was bad. There's just something with theater. I think maybe it's just because you can't talk yeah. if you're not a monster anyway. Yeah. You can't like turn to the person next to you and go like, oh boy, look at this thing. But uh, any, uh, you, if you can see a bad movie in theaters and not like be able to converse and still enjoy it. Yeah. But theater, I think it's maybe because, you know, if you have, like, you have empathy for the people on stage because you see them up there. So, you know, like, if you react in a way, they can see you. Mm-hmm. It's a whole different thing. It's not as It's fun. a whole different thing. That was, like, you know, and it's always worse when, like, just the show is bad and, like, the people are doing their best to, like, sell the shit out of it. Yeah. <laughs> but the show is just so bad. And there's something so uniquely, <laughs> like, not even fun, just depressing about a really bad musical. Because mm-hmm. you can just see... Because movies... 
probably well definitely cost way more than the, the musicals do. Mm-hmm. And you know, I go see bad movies and I don't think twice about it. Yeah. But you can really see the effort and all the like the energy being put into a bad musical. Yeah. And it really is just very depressing. Well and like to see that much money and energy thrown at you like live in person in front yeah. of you for your entertainment and have it all be so so totally misbegotten. Well and like the scale is so different that like if a studio spends a shitload of money on a bad movie, like they probably didn't spend enough money for it to actually affect them that much. Whereas like keeping a show on Broadway is a very expensive venture and you have to like sell the seats. And so if you can't do that, if you, but so like these actors are like selling it every night, trying to do it, but they can't. It's a bad show. Yeah. But <laughs> this is a good show. This is a good show. We're talking about a good show. And well, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to step on your toes, Kelsey. I want you to be able to say your piece. Okay. But I'm going to go ahead and give my framing for my discussion of this show because I think it's going to help us going forward. I think that will be good. And you've heard this take before. Probably, uh, yes. My My take is that Hadestown is a better show than Hamilton and deserves all of, nay, perhaps more than the attention and praise and reputation that Hamilton has. Now, certainly it is not underappreciated. It won, as we just said, eight Tonys. It was highly celebrated. It's 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 beloved. But... You know, Hamilton was a, to a certain degree, still is a cultural phenomenon, mm-hmm. the way that this show is clearly that, not going not to be. Not going to be, no, yeah. And there's a lot of, uh, I mean, we can probably get into why that might be, mm-hmm. but this show is, to me, at least, you know, politically has an actual, like, real solid message behind it and explores that message in a lot of interesting and nuanced ways. Mm-hmm. And that message being about, you know, capitalism and how it oppresses people and exploits them and, like, exploits our material needs to basically consign us to a certain form of slavery where we have no choice, but we are forced to work for this illusion of freedom. Why and, do we build the wall, how, Jason? Because uh, the wall keeps out the enemy. Yeah. The enemy is poverty. There, I, you've never seen a more like clear statement of ethos in a show yeah. than this before. <laughs> um, and how, you know, through actions like forming unions and, you know, solidarity and like banding together, we can make steps to tear down that structure and perhaps move towards a more equitable world, move towards... So you might say you move towards socialism and away from barbarism, perhaps. Perhaps. If, there, if, if one were to say, just, you know, maybe hypothetically, if one were to say there was a fork in the road and one side led to barbarism and one to socialism, you would want to choose socialism. socialism. <laughs> uh, but it also, because it is about Orpheus and Eurydice, it I also think gets it, and Hades as well and Persephone, it gets it, it uses those characters not just to illustrate these concepts, but also to demonstrate how it's, you know, ultimately, this this idea might be too good to be true, mm-hmm. and we might not be able to actually get there because of, for many, one of many, many reasons, because we are all humans, and everyone involved in the struggle is going to be a human, so, and for that reason, we're always going to have faults, and, and we're going to fail, um, and that means we might fail at this too, ultimately, but that, that idea is so useful and, and, and powerful and good that even if we know it's going to fail, it's worth it to try and to sort of examine that idea over and over and tell that story over and over again because of you know even though you know it's, it might not turn out good in the end it might it, it might every time it feels like maybe it might and the fact that it's, it tell could it anyway. this time yeah you tell it anyway it's a sad song it's a sad song and that is you know and we're and gonna sing it again that's basically my take um my take my way of framing that against hamilton is that i think hamilton is a show that is very good very well put together with a lot of like talent behind it that ultimately is a uh, empty in terms of actual political content and harmful, which I only really bring up because it was, you know, it was 
it, it has been pushed as a very progressive and important big underlying capitalers important show and i do not think it holds up to that level of of uh, of, of praise i think it deserves all the praise of hamilton maybe more in some ways i think you're right about hamilton being a sort of politically empty show or a show that like really reinforces the sort of like bootstraps narrative of the american dream quote unquote um which is something that it took me a while to like sort of see and dial back and and be like because it's such an interesting show like artistically um and i think that's the thing that i think is really sort of revolutionary about it is that like artistically it's doing something really different than anything did before but like the actual content of the show is not like politically progressive if that makes sense Yes. And Artistically, it, also, it is progressive. Politically, it is not progressive. Yeah, it, it also took me a while to really absorb that idea yeah. as well. So it's not, um, I'm not trying to, you know, but please, I'm, I'm not that smart. Please, people, <laughs> we both said it's a very good show. It's a good show. It's a good show. It's a yes, great show. Yes, it's directly responsible for Trump being president, but it's a good show. I don't really want to know about that take, but... <laughs> I, can, I might as well get it out there now. Because, <laughs> no, let me just say it. And then, then we can talk about something else. Okay. I'm just gonna say it because Hamilton is a show about, you know, it's this idea. It's it really like you said. It reinforces this like typical American like bootstraps that come from nothing, mm-hmm. work your way up, and like yeah. make it in this world and influence things and like make a yeah. change narrative. But the way that sort of like is sold to us mm-hmm. is by you know it, it adopts this is this uh, you know more modern, more uh, I don't know the right word is for this. You know, it's a different musical style. Mm-hmm. It adopts the form of like you know rap and r&b and pop mm-hmm. and of course you know the musical theater tradition as well yeah and it, it casts you know underrepresented people in these roles cast you know minorities people of color that you know normally do not play these roles like you know alexander hamilton you know not, not a puerto rican guy and that part of it is like the part that sh- like the, it's artistically progressive that's the, yeah. like what i'm trying to say um but in itself and it's sort of that's how it sort of gets it into you like oh this is important this is like yeah. progressive and meaningful because you're taking a you know, a historically oppressed person and putting them into the role that is still the same sort of harmful narrative and like harmful role, but it's telling you, you this idea of like, this is good because it's this person, because it's this, this person that has this identity and them being here is good. And so when someone runs for president and they are, a, they have a bad record and some not so good points of view, but they are an underrepresented minority like say a woman, for example. Oh. <laughs> uh, and you think, and honestly, by the way, when I say you, I mean me right now. So yeah. this is not an attack. This is a reflection it's of my a, own. It's a self takedown. This is a self own. You please. played yourself, please. Jason. <laughs> I did. I, congratulations to me. I played myself. Uh, then you see it and you think, oh, this is great. This is just like Hamilton. This is a good thing in and of itself. And it's not worth looking into any deeper. And then, well, maybe, maybe you know, you drop the ball in Michigan. And this is not, I'm not talking to me anymore. I'm talking to someone else. <laughs> Maybe you drop the ball in Michigan. Maybe you, you know, actually send volunteers away from Michigan because you're trying to pull some third dimensional chess bullshit. And then, you know, well, you know. We're here. We're here. Yeah. So I think, I think you're right that it is, it is a lot more politically um, deep than, uh, than Hamilton. And it is an important message. But I do think that that message is also deeper than like I think I think there are a lot of people who will go see this and not get that 
You think so? I do. I, I I know that because of my, you know, personal preoccupations, I'm probably, you know, analyzing it more more. You know, I'm mm-hmm. I'm doing more work during the show than maybe most people would. But I feel like it's pretty out there. I think it is too. I mean, like pretty like presented to you very clearly, not like out there. Like that said, I don't obtuse. think I really got that until I saw the show, as opposed to like listening to the show. Um, mm. Granted, like I was listening to the concept album, which is not the full show. Um, yeah, the concept album does not quite make it yeah. as clear. I also think that there are people who will sort of see the narrative there and they will see the, the sort of like more like Les Mis narrative, like a sort of like revolution mm. narrative and not the like union narrative, which is what the narrative is. Um, and so I think... A lot can happen behind closed doors. Yeah. That's a fact, brother. That's a fact. Yeah. But a lot can happen on the factory floor when the boss man turns his back. So yeah, I think I think people our age will probably see what the show is about or what I choose to believe it's about. I think the, you know, hordes of white middle-aged tourists who go see it probably won't. <laughs> yeah, and that sucks. That's the thing. To, to be successful, <laughs> to sell the, the tickets, as you said, yeah. a show has to appeal to, a Broadway show yeah. has to get rich white people to come see it. It's true. It has to. It has to. I think... Part of how this show does that, aside from being, you know, technically a very well put together show and yeah. like very well performed and um, well with one exception in some people's <laughs> beliefs. But uh, it, I also think there's me. something about, I think this works to the overall narrative of the show because mm-hmm. part of the, you know, the, the resolution or there's the climax in the second act yeah. is, uh, uh, you know, Orpheus making a plea for Hades' humanity. Mm-hmm. And from my point of view, that sort of is like an acknowledgement that even people who are benefiting from this system are still you know, they're dehumanized by it. Yeah. Because when you exist, when you, like, accumulate that much wealth or capital, it sort of puts you apart from actual human experiences that are meaningful. It's true. But what it also does is it makes you uh, uh, sympathetic towards the the rich villain, the rich white, like, you know, boss. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I have to imagine there's something about that that appeals to people who, you know, yeah. put put money in the in the coffers. What's your take? My take is I just really like the show. I don't have any big political takes. <laughs> yeah, but what is your take? What is your um um what 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 is what you know what jumps out at you about the show? What sort of sticks in your mind about it? So for me, like I fell in love with this concept album like a couple of years ago, maybe three years ago now. This is an early episode, wasn't it? And I was like, yeah, um, I was into it at that point. Um, at least a year ago. Yeah, I think it was maybe two. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> um. I I fell in love with the concept album. I liked it a lot. And then I got really excited to see like um the things coming here and, and going on and I, I missed the uh the off Broadway run, which like barely. <laughs> <laughs> um and I was sort of following it for a while and seeing what happened, hearing the casting, who was staying, who was going, this before I knew who Damon Donna was. <laughs> um, <laughs> And um, I've just sort of been, like, getting excited about it and maybe building, like, a little too much hype in my mind, <laughs> you know? Mm. Um, that said, I was I, I liked the show a lot when I saw it. I was just um, taken out of it by one performance. Do which, you want to talk about that? Yeah. So <laughs> I love the show, and I, I loved almost every part of it seeing it. But Reeve Carney's <laughs> performance really just took me out of the show, which like he's not a bad singer. He's not a bad actor. 
I just didn't like the interpretation of the character that was happening. <laughs> and it, it just really, like, it didn't ruin the show for me, but I feel like I could have enjoyed it a lot more with a different actor. Um, granted, his voice is growing on me when I've been re-listening to it on the, the album that's out now, but I don't think I'd want to watch it with him again. <laughs> um, there was just some affectations. They did some sort of things that I felt were kind of like, making Orpheus seem autistic or like, um, which I know you don't agree with, but like that was just, I I just heard that from, I've heard that from you and multiple other people who saw the show. Like almost everyone else I knew who's seen it. And I just didn't get it at all. Yeah. Maybe because I'm too busy being like, this guy's got some good ideas. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. I just, I, I really, the, the, the way he actually just really took me out of it. I also think he doesn't have a ton of chemistry with, uh, even Obozada who plays Ricky Riddici, which is, kind of crazy since apparently they're dating <laughs> yeah though she's still married though right i think so oh she's also like 15 years younger than him it's yeah. fine <laughs> yeah that's uh yeah that's also gross what it is yeah um uh, I, I, I also just think both of them are like a little bit flat in their performances mm. um or like they feel a little bit like performed like i know like i know that they're performing obviously no, yeah I, but yeah. like i feel like patrick page and um amber gray especially are like in the characters and like they just are those people up yeah. on on the stage whereas i feel like even opazada and, and reeve carney are sort of performing the characters i know that's like dumb and well no i, I see what you mean because because yeah. patrick page and um Amber Gray and Amber Gray are they're they're playing roles. Those roles are very theatrical. Like they're yeah. very, they're not subtle roles. No, but they feel very inhabited and like real, um, in a way that yeah, I I I, I see I see your point. I, see I think the, I feel like you can still feel Reeve Carney and even Obozada on the stage. Yeah, and not the you you can't totally like be in you know into the character. Um, I mean I I also think part of that might be built into the story in a way. Yeah, because you know um. Hades and Persephone are two much more, you know, engaging, like, fun characters yeah. in that sort of classic over-the-top sense. They're also more, like, even more developed in Greek mythology. That's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, they have, Hades has, you know, is one of the major he's gods. Got, he's got a whole thing going on. He's got on. a whole thing. <laughs> Probably one of the better ones, honestly. Yeah. Whereas, you know, whereas, uh, you know, Eurydice in this version of the story, anyway, is like, yeah. well, in the original version, she's got, she's basically nothing. She's yeah. just a, an object. Yeah. In this version, she is slightly more developed than that. Yeah. But she is... You know, illustrating the, you know, human need and, and frailty and how that sort of very physical aspect of our being can lead us to make some bad calls. And, well, it's not, it's not, and then, then, you know, Reeve Carney is about what it's like to be, you know, way too online and, you know, be <laughs> on Twitter getting Epstein brain while your girlfriend, uh, you know, tries to find a job. So they're not, they're not things that are really necessarily like engaging and exciting in the same yeah. way being Hades or Persephone are. What I think like it kind of took me because I also think that Orpheus as a character is hard to like parse because at times he's sort of framed as like a hero and at other times he's framed as like a a failure and I like something really rubbed me wrong the wrong way about like the young white guy being the hero at, at times but like if you look at it from like oh but he like fucks everything up like it's easier to sort of think about that. So I think like part of it is like the Orpheus story itself is really complicated and hard to like inhabit in general. Um, but I don't think he's doing a great job. You're, I mean, you're absolutely right. The, the, the pained face I'm making right now is because I just, the end of the show just kills me. It's rough. Cause he's, he's, he does like, 
Uh, it's like everything's riding on him. Yeah. He's like, you know, and he just like he literally go two more steps. Oh, he just he, he, he blows it. He blows it. You know what's it. gonna happen because it's Orpheus and Eurydice. Yeah, like you know and what's happening. And they say at the top of the show like this is a sad song and you know it. You know it's gonna be and a but tragedy. But still, like when he's walking, it's I'm a like, tragedy. I'm like, and there's a point like right before like her like uh, Hades says like you gotta do this thing. Yeah. You gotta walk out like this. Yeah. You know how he sounds. Yeah. And where it's like they have their little like nice ending song mm -hmm. and it feels like oh maybe it's all gonna work out <laughs> maybe things are gonna be fine and that is and he just fucking blows it but I that's get, the I'm so mad at that's him. the brilliance of the show right because that's the whole point we, we try anyway we sing it anyway and it's really and it's, we think it might be okay and it's really it's amazing they really because like it is like maybe among the most famous Greek myths you know how it's gonna end yeah and you still like and still like they get you so invested in it that when it happens it's really it's crushing it is devastating it's like damn dude Dude, you almost had it. So yeah, it we was, were this close. It was rough for me just because I felt like that performance, especially, really took me out of the show, and I was much more like in the show when it was just like Hades and Persephone and, and the <laughs> yeah. Fates and Hermes and that whole thing happening. So that was rough. That said, I still loved the show. Like even with that like happening, I still loved the show. I thought like Patrick Page is a revelation in this role. He is. So good. Well, not those of us who saw him in his uh, previous star turning <laughs> role as Norman Osborne, aka the Green Goblin. Anyway, he's great. Amber <laughs> Gray, like the Amber Gray, this is the perfect like. It's one of those things when you you get the right actor in the right role, and it's just like the perfect marriage of those things. Literally. Literally. By the way, I just want to say that was not like that was not being facetious. He was great. As, as I'm, sure he was. Fantastic. I'm sure he was i'm sure he was fantastic <laughs> and you can definitely see that same sort of energy in this role yeah um he has good villain energy <laughs> yeah that big villain energy <laughs> the thing that makes me okay because i i see I, I do see what you're saying about reeve carney and and eva honestly mm -hmm. eva has the more classically like stronger voice yeah i like that the four of them the four leads and then i guess you know five hermes is kind of a fifth lead yeah um, i would that's the other thing is like when the tony's like i would actually call like Hades and Persephone leading actors. It's one of those things where it's like, <laughs> how do you, how do you decide, how do you decide what's going to be best for the show? Yeah. And like it's chances it's, it's a tough thing, but you're, I mean, you're I right. Just, I think Amber Gray could have won best leading actress, but it, I would, I would think that they have roughly as much stage time as, as, you know, as Reeve yeah. and Eva, mm -hmm. but, but so all five of those people have very different voices Yeah, from each other, from yes. each other. Yeah. 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 Cause you know, Patrick <laughs> Page has this very deep, very yeah. theatrical booming yeah. voice. Andrew um, Shields got that like soul. Andrew Shields has this very raspy, like you yeah. know, old old timey soul voice. It's so good. Mm. Um, Amber Gray. Amber Gray. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry, Amber. <laughs> I know you're. I know you're a listener, Amber. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I feel so bad. Amber has um, you know, a jazzier voice. Yeah. That's part of that is just the the material and the affectation. Yeah. But, but it, I think it is, she, like, it she had it in in um, Natasha Pierre too. Yeah. Like I think that is part of her voice. And then Eva has this like very. Classic typical like young ingenue musical theater voice, voice which makes yeah. sense because that's what she is and reeve has this very weird voice it's very like it's the sort of voice that's always on the edge of you think just breaking and, and failing entirely <laughs> but it never to my ears anyway yeah. never quite does and that's sort of like weird like high register it's more of a it's more of a rock and roll voice it's not really like, you like think he's gonna go into a scream sometimes yeah <laughs> like it makes sense that he would he has a band yeah and that he like you know they would say, like, this guy can do some songs that were written by Bono on the Edge. Yeah. It would make sense he would make that choice. Uh, maybe the songs are also terrible. Uh, maybe you don't see that one coming. <laughs> but, it, you know, you can see it. I and so I think the contrast there is what really, for the time when I was like, 
I was like, because Reeve, he sounds, he's, he sounds, he sounds kind of weird. And there are times mm-hmm. when it feels like, this is kind of a weird fit. But I really dug it on that level. Yeah. I think, like for me, I think I would have liked someone with a folkier voice. With like a sort of softer, folkier, less rock voice. A more Bon Iver voice. Possibly, yes. I, I really like Justin Vernon on the concept album. He's, 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 got a, he's great. And yeah. I think it's honestly that he's gotten so far away from that style of music that hearing him on such a straightforward folky record now is very amusing or not, <laughs> not not like you know silly but like it's fun yeah it's good but he's still <laughs> i like he, he's like he was like it feels like he said to uh, anias like listen i'll be on the record <laughs> but you have to let me do my little bony bear harmonies i can't sing a single line without my bony bear harmonies <laughs> i like them though <laughs> they're great yeah they're great you know francis starlight built a whole machine to replicate that sound Oh, let's get him in. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, this is the, like, I want the concept album of the show now. What is it's that? It's got Paloma Faith as Persephone. Okay, Paloma Faith. Okay, this is good. This is good. Uh, it's what, got Francis Starlight what as... Role, what role is Francis playing? Physically, he's more of a... Uh, um, it's a concept album, so that doesn't matter. That's true. I guess... I would I, say Orpheus. I guess he's Orpheus, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd like to see that. Right? I would like to see that. Who is playing um, Eva? Eva's Ooh, role. That's a good question. That's a good question. Maybe like an Ingrid Michaelson. Yeah. Who's playing uh, Hades? That's a, that's the hard one. Well, what about what about who's playing Hermes? Ooh, see the the thing I want to see in the show and in this fake comic album is I want to see a lady as Hermes. Mm. I think that would be fun. That would be fun. Hermes is such a that role is so is so important. Mm-hmm. Like he, he carries, he's the narrator. Yeah. And he carries so much of the show. Mm-hmm. And I love his material is so good too because it's all rhymes. Mm-hmm. And the rhymes are, I don't know how else to put this, but they're very satisfying to me. Yeah. In fact, like every line has a good rhyme in it that he speaks. It's very, I don't know, it really it activates that like part of your brain mm-hmm. over and over again. It's great. Um, but yeah, so, you know, um, Francis, if you're listening, I know you are. Uh, we have a lot of famous listeners. Most people don't know that. <laughs> uh, not all people know that. But uh, yeah, so uh, when they do the Hamilton mixtape version, yeah, the mixtape version of the Hades Town, which is weird though, because the Hades Town concept album is kind of like the, yeah. the, the mixtape version of it. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I want it though. We're gonna bring it back around. <laughs> We're gonna bring it back around. Bring it full circle, because mm-hmm. uh, you know Francis is, is friends with Justin Vernon, so they would make sense. I'm sure that maybe they, they should probably met a nice Mitchell, probably a nice Miss Mitchell. <laughs> we'll just call her Miss Mitchell. Miss Mitchell. <laughs> Um, so I guess that's our pitch time this episode I is uh, do another concept album. Do with another more concept actors. album. Um, I think back to Reef. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, like that was hard for me, and I I wish I wish that his voice was like a little like I, I almost wish that he went into that sort of scream thing more. I think that would have maybe been more interesting, but maybe that's a hard thing to control. Yeah, like to me, his voice, like I mean, you said it earlier, like it it doesn't sound that different from damon dono on the uh the off-broadway recording although you would have preferred to see damon dono damon dono is prettier to look at i'll, I'll tell you this much <laughs> i'll tell you this much it's hard to it's hard to imagine uh damon damano <laughs> having less chemistry with eva noblezada than reeve carney does <laughs> yes um just because just because you know i mean i've only seen damon in the oklahoma revival but he just exudes I mean, there's a lot charisma. of there's a lot of like chemistry and like you know yes uh, you know, romantic energy there. Tension. A lot of yeah, sex, sexual tension. Most of it 
not with Rebecca and Naomi Jones. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, their, their, their chemistry is fine, but the biggest chemistry is between him and Judd. <laughs> makes me crazy. I don't, I have a, I have very mixed feelings on that, on that show. Yeah. I don't love it. I think it's a really interesting revival and I'm glad it did well. I think, I think it was very interesting and very good. I think the, there were a few, I don't think it quite stuck to landing. I think there were some interesting things they could have done. I think they, I think they could have pushed it more. You would have rather seen Damon Donna then. Yes. One, because I like his voice a little better if I'm going to go for a classical musical theater voice. Because I think if Reeves not like singing rock music, to me, he has a pretty classical musical theater voice. And, you know, Damon Donna is just pretty to look at. And I think he has better stage presence or charisma or whatever that thing is. Yeah. I mean, when you can't get <laughs> Hamish Linklater. Get you, Damon Donna. You get Damon. It's basically the same Hamish thing. <laughs> Yeah, he's great. great. He's great. <laughs> I would love to see them in something together. <laughs> I don't. What are they playing? Like the twin, twin brothers. Twin brothers in a uh, what's that Shakespeare? There's a Shakespeare about twins. No, that, I could see that happening. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I think Hamish Linklater was actually in it at Shakespeare in the Park because I think the roles are traditionally played by, like, they're not on stage together. Oh, know? I know what you mean. Yeah. Comedy bears. I mean, if we're trying to think about the the Shakespeare <laughs> show that has twins in it. Comedy bears. We're gonna it's, we're gonna be here a while. Probably right. Let's <laughs> move on. But yeah, I just think, I think yeah, there's a lot of things about Reeves' performance that I don't like, and I. But that said, I like the show. I like the staging. I like the music. I like everything about it. And for once, for me, which I've never been excited about before, I'm excited to see it again with a different cast, which is like almost never happens to me. Like I'm not excited to see the show with the not original cast because. You know, who wants to see the replacements? But I am excited to see this show with replacements because I think if they do it right, they won't try to just recast the people who were in it. They'll get different a different combination of voices, a different sort of... And so it'll be like almost a brand new show. And I think that will be so interesting. I agree. I feel the same way. Yeah. And I, I just going from the off-Broadway production, which I just found out today... Uh, the the Hermes role was played by Chris Sullivan. Much different presence than Andre De Shields, Very to say presence. the least. He's yeah. a he's a he's a tall, like broad-shouldered white guy, yeah. with a very like deep and like booming. He's the camel from Geico. He's the Geico camel. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. He's the camel. Good um, to know. So when you contrast that voice with like Andre De Shields, very different in many many ways. Yeah, and I think that's. That's what's really interesting about the show, which is why I think yeah. you could just bring in a lady to play Hermes. Yeah, you could bring in a lady to play every role. Yeah. All ladies production. And all, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm calling on all members of R slash gaming <laughs> to boycott this all women <laughs> remake of uh, Hades Town. Uh, well, I think it's though you have to get a male director, though, probably, to make yeah. it, you know, to even it out. Yeah. But yeah, it's. Is Paul Feig busy? Paul Feig ever done a musical? I would watch a musical that Paul Feig directed. Oh, God, I don't know if I would. A movie musical. I don't know if I'd trust him to direct a stage musical. I honestly don't know if i trust him to direct movies anymore. What did he make recently? Uh, I don't Not recently, but he made The Heat. Ooh. Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> Hades Town, great show. Great show. Just so, so like, you know, to see a thing de- developed by someone like so long ago, like like 13 years ago was the first staging of it. So I can only imagine when the first idea entered Miss Mitchell's mind. Mm-hmm. And see that develop over the course of time and like get all these new people into it. Like, you know, grow from like a small thing into a concept album into an off-Broadway production into this big, big Broadway, you know, debut with all these different, you know, fantastical performers in it and these musicians and so so much talent on on stage and behind the stage. It really just makes you think like, man, 
You just, you have to vote for Bernie Sanders to be the Democratic presidential nominee. Please, you have to do it. It's the, it's the only option. I'm sorry. There's no other good choices. We are, it's, it's, it's so important. No one else is doing these things. We, we, we are at a crossroads. Humanity is at a crossroads. We are, the, we're destroying, the, the planet is dying. The, 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 the rainforests are on fire. There's, we're gonna, it's all, it, this is it. We gotta do something. The only, the only person who is meaningfully challenging those, those systems is Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders 2020. Are you done? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I yield my time. Um, I yield my time. <laughs> Basically, this is a good show. It's an important show, and it says a lot of really good things. And socialism is good. We like it, <laughs> <laughs> folks. We like it. Join a union. Can we be on? Can we be on? A, can we be a leftist podcast now? <laughs> I mean, are we not already? <laughs> we gotta get out there, man. We gotta get out there with <laughs> with, with beep beep lettuce, with pod damn America, with um the other ones I don't listen to. <laughs> uh, uh, I guess Red Scare, uh, the Antifada. Girls chat. We're talking all your favorites. I'm talking dumb bitch media. Listen, we're out there. We we're said it. There. We said socialism is good. So you now you know our politics are good. So mm -hmm. the content. I'm in a union. Not so important. You're in a union. Yes. I'm organized. Yes. <laughs> hey, folks, let, let's hear it for us. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> uh, I don't we, have snacks, we made but it. I'm organized. We made it. We're on, we're on, the, we're on the left. Do you have any more uh, takes? Uh, no, I, I think I've uh, exhausted my take allowance for the for the episode. Did we talk for long enough? Yeah, Did we, we talk we, enough. We've gone enough. We can stop whenever we want. It's our podcast. We can stop baby. whenever we want. <laughs> Let's stop now. Special thanks to Danny Abowd of the Weeping Willards for use of their song "Outside in the Rain" off of their self-titled album, available on Bandcamp. And special thanks to Carly Sussman who designed our logo. You can find her work at carly-rose.com. If you like us. Subscribe. Well, you probably already are subscribed. Tell a but friend. Tell a friend. Leave a five-star review. And that's it. Do one of those things. It's really all you can do. We're on some it, social media, yeah, but we're uh, kind of you know, not. <laughs> we're, on, we're on Facebook and Twitter, but I mostly just post the episodes there. Yeah. Just a reminder for people who just might a, not see it somewhere else. I mean, you can follow us on Twitter if you want. But. Yeah, but yeah. Why would you? As always, go, go to, to therapy. therapy. You should go to therapy. Everyone should go to therapy. Everyone should go to therapy. If you have the option, and everyone should, you should go to therapy and vote for Bernie Sanders. <laughs> Medicare for all. Please. The land is dying. Please. They wish I would go ahead and fuck my life up. Can't let them get to me. And even though I always fuck my life up, only I can mention me. They wish I would go ahead and fuck my life up. Can't let them get to me And even though I always fuck my life up Only I can mention me Only I can mention me Only I can mention me Honestly, my, my greatest fear, personally, mm -hmm. about this show and its meaning mm -hmm. is that people will see the show and see, like, the wall yeah. thing and be like, oh, like Trump's wall. Does that make Hades Trump? I mean, he's not not Trump. Right. But he's more He's than more that. of a Jeff Bezos. <laughs> he's more of a Bezos. <laughs> Bezos? Bezos? <laughs>
How do you say his name? I've never said it out loud. <laughs> I, I believe it's pronounced Jeff Bezos. Bezos. <laughs> now, now I'm just thinking about becoming a person who's like, gets mad at people for like talking shit about Jeff Bezos because he's a POC. There's people that do that? No, I also, but... I also did not know that. He's not. That's the oh, thing. Okay. I'm going to start saying his name with that inflection <laughs> and then claim that anyone who hates him is a uh, racist who's doing, doing a white supremacism. Please don't do that.